Welcome to Politics Done Right. Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show this morning. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Southeast Texas, every part of the world. How are my peeps doing this morning? I trust all is well. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I had a a a well I'm I, I, first I was going to say a stressful weekend but it wasn't stressful it was just a weekend used to prepare as you know politics done right is heading to Chicago for the net roots for the net roots conference on Wednesday so therefore we have to make sure and get all those things prepared to go because again we are all over the place, brothers and sisters. Anyway, good morning again. How is that control room doing? Howard Reynolds, oh, Jack looks, Van Beber. Looks like the tin cans and string have held up and we're ready to broadcast for another fine broadcast day from KPFT Houston. All right. <laughs> Got to use my announcer voice, you know. Well, you, you, I, I mean, you, you don't even have to do much for that announcer voice, man. It's just there. It's just there. Van Beber, how was your weekend? Oh, it was challenging. Uh, I tried to get some rest, but I didn't get very much. So uh, anyway, I... uh, last last week uh, a man came on and was uh, was talking about socialism as a bad thing, you know. And lately, socialism has got a real bad rap, and you know, social programs are what keep, keeps the corporations from running over the people. It's the stopgap. It's the safety. So social is not a bad word. Social is not a bad word. I love that you said that. And I hope the person that was speaking about that calls in because, again, I am, I'm refraining from just outright using the word socialism because of the connotation that it has. The thing about it is this. I believe in free enterprise 100%. Free enterprise is freedom, the ability of people to go ahead and create their own companies, create their own uh, means of production, go out there and sell things. Uh, I believe in all of that. The big problem that we have, uh, Jack, is we have allowed the conflation of what capitalism means and what freedom and free enterprise means. In fact, we have allowed folks to say that freedom, democracy is capitalism as, a, as opposed to saying freedom and democracy is free enterprise, the enterprise from us all. And that conflation is what allows us to be pilfered by the corporations. And, and that is what uh, people uh, have. And, and that is why, again, uh, we hear that nobody wants to talk or rather the powers that be uh, you'd hear come out against critical thought. You know, they, 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 they're wrapping critical thought into critical race theory because what they are hoping to do is ring that racial, that silly, silly, racial carnal bell in people's so that they don't think about the things that really matter because they're so concerned about that idiotic thing called race. And one of the things that I hope to do with our programs or programming or attitudes, etc., is to let folks de de detach themselves 
from that silly structure and start looking at the economic structure that we're under, which was designed to just keep a few in power, a few financially really, really able with all the rest being peons. Folks, don't, don't get it. We are, we, slavery never ended. It just lost its pigmentation. Uh, that's all. But it never ended. And folks can, you know, it's hard when you see nice cars and big buildings and great streets and all these things. It is great uh, to see these things and then say, oh, but you're enslaved. And folks are, no, I'm not. I can go ahead and do all these things that I want to do. Then you say, by the way, aren't you in debt? Don't you have to do X, Y, Z to survive? Isn't there a better way? And Jack, the answer is there is a better way if we will allow ourselves to lose the control of the few who keep telling us that this is the way things need to go. So, Jack, I'm glad that you started that way. And I hope, I hope the caller who said that, because I, I remembered it distinctly. Uh, he called out the word Venezuela. I love, I love when folks want to talk about, uh, anytime they say, do you want us to be Venezuela? That's what socialism does. Well, you know, I, 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 I don't know what you want to call the economic system that I, want, that I think is, we all want. But it's not what Venezuela did, neither what Hugo, uh, Hugo, Hugo Chavez, Nicolai Maduro, or any one of these guys. By the way, for those who know, those are uh, Hugo Chavez was the one who started the Bolivarian Revolution in, uh, in Venezuela. And after he died, Nicolas uh, took it over. Uh, Nicolas Maduro took it over. And, and this, this is repeated throughout the other countries that America used, like to use as a, not America, Republicans and many neoliberal Democrats like to use as, this is not what you, if, if you don't have this evil economic system that hurts people in the United States and many parts of Western Europe, not the Scandinavian countries, uh, then what you get is Venezuela. What you get is Nicaragua. What you get is Cuba. They don't tell you, of course, that what we do stifle Cuba. Cuba has some, with all, with all the stifling that we do, Cuba actually have a good healthcare system and they do come up with a lot of drugs that, uh, you know, that actually work and export it in other places that work. But, you know, that's for another day. Uh, but again, we don't want Cuba. We don't want Venezuela. We don't want Nicaragua. We don't need to have any of that to have a great free enterprise economic system in America. Why did, did, did Jack get me off on this monologue? Jack, why did you get me off on this monologue? Well, well, because, you know, this is the, the crazy stuff I think about and the, the dots I try to connect. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't I don't have the, uh, the technical capabilities to do research. But, you know, I, I know what's going on out there. And I, I just try to connect the dots and keep things from being uh, passed over. Too you know, much. you're checking your I, show. I, I, I like, but you know what? I want to thank you because I, you know, that gave me the opportunity to give the, those words. I think that, that we need to, we need to reinforce those words over and over again, Jack. I was only playing when I said, why did you make me do that? Because I was 
like I was kind of like happy to do it. But anyhow, um, uh, so anyway, I, I, folks, I, I hope you listen to that short narrative there. But let's not allow folks to fool us. Let's not allow folks to keep us separate. Let's not allow folks to have you hate your brother and your sister. Look at think about that. That think about that person you think you hate right now. Mitigate that hate and things will get better. Anyhow, title of the show today is, and I'm on the wrong screen, but title of the show today is Good Jobs Report equals pain for the working class. Cluster bombs, climate, Supreme Court. I'll try to touch on a, on a few things. And I'd like you to call in 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. Please do remember that there are many ways for you to reach this program, not only on the dial. So if you're on the dial right now, great for you. But guess what? When you're not on the dial, which means when you're not on the radio, you can reach us in other forms as well. First of all, on the dial, it's 90.1 FM Houston. For those who are just jumping up and finding us on YouTube, yeah, you can hear us on air on the radio as well, 90.1 FM Houston. You can also listen to us at on TuneIn. Download the application from Android and Apple stores and look for KPFT. And guess what? You found us. You found us on the TuneIn application. You can go directly to our website, kpft.org, kpft.org, and listen to us there as well. And, of course, you can watch us on facebook.com slash kpfthouston, facebook.com slash kpfthouston, or on YouTube by going to politicsdoneright.tv, politicsdoneright.tv. Dot TV. Please give us a call, 713-526-5738, extension number two. If you want to be on air, we, uh, we can take you right away. Please don't wait till the end of the show, where many times, uh, you know, I then have to rush you. I like to digest what you're saying, like to put what you're saying on air, because like I've told you many a times, this is your show. You have the ability in real time to ask questions and Tell, to give statements and change the subject because, again, it is your show. You can email me at kpft at politicsdoneright.com, kpft.politicsdoneright.com. Whether you agree, disagree, you have a commenter, you want to comment, you're shy for the phone but want me to talk about it on another day, there is a subject you want covered, this is all for you to do. Unlike other radio stations, etc., you can speak directly. To us, kpft at politicsdoneright.com. Give me a call and let me know what you think, etc., etc., etc. So don't forget, folks, but give us a call. 713-526-5738, extension number two. I see that Eric is on the chat and quite a few others on YouTube. Anyhow, folks, I'm going to start with the cluster bomb, uh, the cluster bomb thing that Biden decided to do today. And uh, there are a lot of folks up in arms with it. I am saddened by us still having the cluster bomb and putting it out there. And, and look, you can be of different thoughts. The way, the way Biden explains it, it is plausible and makes sense. Let me just first say that. In other words, hey, they are using cluster bombs on the territory of Ukraine 
and holding ground on the territory of Ukraine to get them out. Uh, you know, they have a much larger army and they're on our land to get them out. We should use all means necessary, which means if it takes cluster bombs, we need to use cluster bombs to get Russia out of Ukraine. You know, plausible. Not only that, even practical. But moral, no, right? Uh, and it's not moral because, I mean, we're not talking about some immorality because uh, we want to use it to take out as many Russians as possible who are the invaders of Ukraine at this time. But what it does going forward and the reality that we know about cleanups, etc. They claim it's about a 2% dud on the American base cluster bombs. And it lands in forms, it lands everywhere, etc., etc., etc. And, uh, you know, it would require cleanup. But in the process of launching these bombs, a lot of innocent folks as well likely die. It is no less immoral, of course, than when we sent drones over to kill uh, terrorists, supposedly terrorists, and yes, some of them are, but too often uh, we don't care about the collateral damage as, as far as them killing innocent people. And we just say, okay, we're sorry. Just before we left Afghanistan, or I think it was right after we left Afghanistan, we, we, pumped, we pumped a drone out there and shot up somebody, and it turned out that it was not the terrorists, but a family of many. I want you to, I just want you to think for a minute because we have a tendency to be antiseptic in the way we think about these wars. I want you to think about, think about uh, some, an American going ahead and doing something bad in a foreign country. And many private Americans may go over and do something bad in some other country. And we, and that country decided to send a directed missile into Houston, Texas to take out that person who moved back in Texas and live in a gated community, but it's very well protected. And they send a missile over to take that person out. What would the reaction of Americans be? What would the reaction of others be? I mean, I've taken it a step above, right? It's not only about cluster bombs, but it's about fighting wars or taking out the uninnocent. I think we would I think we would we would start to develop a different type of empathy if we started to see these kinds of shenanigans occurring across the border but not affected by the United States but others onto us for things that our citizens private maybe may go out to some other foreign country and do. I think we'd get a if we weren't a superpower People would be doing that, but we have a superpower. We can decide what's moral or not. On Friday, a, a person called and, and accused, yours truly accused me, of hating America. <laughs> I hate the country that I chose, right? I hate the country of which I became a legal, naturalized citizen of, right? No cigar. Sorry, that doesn't compute at all. No, the things that, that many immigrants, new immigrants, because remember, we're all immigrants or descendants thereof. 
the things that many of us do, those of us that became that be, that that are naturalized American citizens, believed in the theory of what the, the theory of what America represents, and and became full time or partial activists to make sure that things get better or <laughs> things get better or live up to the aspirations of what the country is intended to be. We couldn't possibly do more than love where we're at. Couldn't possibly. And the reason, I, the reason I preface what I'm going to say with this is because I want folks to know exactly where yours truly is coming from. Too often, too often, and, and this started with the cluster, I, I started this premise with the cluster bomb. Too often, what we do is we learn how to put morality on hold. We learn how to put morality on hold. And in doing so, we lose it altogether. What I mean by this, right? Um, that caller, when that caller called in and they said, who do you want us to be? Venezuela? Who do you want us to be? Uh, remember, in China, they went into people's homes and they drugged people out. They're a communist country. You know, moral authority in the part of the United States, right? And then I ask, we should not be judging other countries on morality when too often, when looking back, we have issues ourselves to deal with. What we should be looking at is moving forward. And how do we move forward in doing things? You know, we were the country that was founded on slavery. On whipping people's backs till they bled. On slicing people's privates off to make a point. On cutting people's arms off when they become, became too much of a rebel instead of a worker. Those are things we did. You know, do we have the moral authority to talk about others? When it came to Jim Crow in the South and lynchings by the thousands, do we have the authority to talk about morals? When it talks about the, uh, the annihilation of the originals from America, the indigenous people, when it came to moving westward, when it came to the Trail of Tears, effected by a president of the United States, not private citizens, by the president of the United States. I know these are things that many like to feel, well, that was, that's a long time ago. Jim Crow wasn't a long time ago. The guy who was pulled by a chain on the back of a pickup truck in Jasper, Texas, was not just a decades ago. We have to live up to our moral authority. In other words, to what we claim we want to be. That's, you know, so let's, let's be a little less judgmental and let's start thinking about the future. When we talk about supporting apartheid states, how long have we supported South Africa? Remember, Ronald Reagan talked about constructive engagement. 
Uh, it was some other word for that engagement. I don't remember what it was called exactly, but it was, he, the idea was, but at the same time as South Africa, Pierre Botha was killing, annihilating people. We accepted it. And the same thing is happening in many countries across the world. Our allies that are doing murderous things and we support. Is America a bad place? Hell no. Are Americans good? Hell yes. But American policy often, too often, leaves a lot to be desired. And what we have to do as American citizens is make sure, because our representatives reflect reflect us, There's, or rather, our representatives are supposed to reflect us. We cannot allow them to teach us how to suspend our moral being. We cannot allow them to teach us how to suspend morality for a reason. That is why no person who doesn't support health care for all should be ever elected in this country, irrespective of party. Why? That is, in effect, a moral deficiency. Nobody who supports not feeding your kids, nobody who supports an economic system that says we are willing to lay folks off because of a particular number we want to attain when that bad number was created by someone else. And in that light, I want to jump to the second topic, which is a good jobs report equals pain for the working class. Why? Why? Now, this one I prepared a narrative for that I did on my three o'clock show, and I cleaned it up and cut it up. I want you to listen to this. It's about uh, a few minutes long, 14 minutes long, but it's, I think, a very important narrative. So check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. It turns out the jobs number was pretty good, not as much as they predicted. It was at 209, and the last two, two cycles, they reduced the total amount by 109,000 jobs or so after they did their recalculation for the last two previous months. But still, but still, it is still going through the roof, employment, right? Now, what has happened as well is as we've gotten more employment for a change, wages have started to increase as well. So here we go. I want to play this for you, and then we'll take it on the other side. The president was quick to praise the latest jobs report from the Labor Department earlier today, saying, quote, this is Bidenomics in action. Unemployment dropped to 3.6 in June, nearly its lowest level in years. The U.S. economy added 209,000 jobs, fewer than expected. So what does that mean for interest rates? Joining me now is NBC News business and data reporter Brian Chung. So fewer than expected. Does that mean that we will not see another rate hike coming? Yeah, Wall Street uh, economists were expecting somewhere closer to 240,000. So 209,000 did come in shorter than estimates. And I want to walk you through the numbers before we get to what the Federal Reserve might do in response to it. Again, slower pace in the May uh, 300,000 uh, clip that we saw in the month prior. But again, as you mentioned, the unemployment rate at 3.6%. 
still historically low. We saw a lot of the job gains specifically in leisure and hospitality, professional and business services, but we did see contraction in retail trade. Think of jobs at the mall falling by about 11,000 in the month. But what the Federal Reserve is going to be watching for is this figure right here. This is wage growth. How much did wages increase between June of this year and June of last year? It rose by 4.4%. That's a faster pace than the 4.3% we saw in the May to May period prior. And because of that, the Federal Reserve might be asking, well, might employers pass on these higher costs to Americans, which could keep inflation high. That's one reason why the expectation is that the Fed will likely continue to raise interest rates with one more when they meet next, uh, when they meet in their next meeting, uh, which is going to be coming up in the end of this month, Katie. Also, an interesting number that came out of the jobs report is that um, uh, Generation X, I yes, was confused, X. X and Z, so I'm going to be clear. <laughs> generation X, yeah. X is, is the generation responsible for all of the increases in the unemployed population over the last half a year. What, what's happening with that? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, baby boomers have been retiring, but it seems like Gen X has also been account- accounting for a lot of the increase as well. Politico reporting that. But interestingly, there are certain demographics that have been uh, kind of not beneficiaries of the broad job gain increases. For example, the black unemployment rate actually ticked up to 6%. Uh, that is almost double the 3.6 national average. So that's something we're going to have to watch in the coming months as well, Katie. We, we now spend a- it's important for us to understand what this guy is saying. He's saying we have a good economy. We are not getting the explosion in jobs like we did before, which would say the economy is really heating up. And eventually we're going to start to have real, true labor, real labor shortages, not labor shortages caused by not paying people enough. Because what we have here is labor shortages by because by not paying people enough. And that's why you see that good wage gain going up. But here's what the feds want to do. The feds want to cut, uh, increase interest rates again to slow down the economy, to stop wage increases because they claim they fear that the corporate corporations would then pass those wage increases in the, in the, in the form of inflation onto the Americans. I want you to think about this. The workers getting more money is a problem for the federal reserve who says i am going to increase the interest rates to cause more people to be laid off so that there will be less pressure to pay people more to pay people a living wage but here is the most it's the saddest part about this here's the evil part about this look at your screen title of the article from the common dreams Corporate windfall profits surged to $1 trillion as a year, a year as working people suffer. Big business is gaslighting all of us. I want you to, I want you to keep this in mind. More people are getting jobs. We don't have a shortage of workers, right? We have a whole bunch of people we can bring into the country if we really want to. But even with what we have here, We don't have a shortage. What we have is a shortage of pay. They don't want to pay people what they're worth. And what the what the feds are saying is it would be inflationary if we don't get more people laid off so that we don't have a job market demanding more pay. Okay, hold on. So they want the working class to pay the penalty for asking for higher wages which they're fearful 
the corporate state will pass on as inf- as to the people as inflation. But look at the title. Corporate windfall profits. An analysis released Thursday shows that 722 of the world's top corporations made combined windfall profits of $1 trillion per year in 2021 and 2022, each year over a trillion, as people across the planet struggle to meet basic needs due to the price hikes that businesses have used to pad their bottom lines. The humanitarian group Oxfam and Action found that the companies raked a $1.09 trillion in windfalls profit, and windfall profit is defined as profits over and above what your normal profit range used to be. What your normal profit used to be, they've made a trillion dollars above what that used to be. And let's ask the question, what is that trillion dollars? Where did that money come from? That money didn't come from them being more productive. That money didn't come from them them building something new because corporate guys build nothing. Shareholders build nothing. They are simply parasites who work off of you. So now they decided they were going to raise the rates of everything, irrespective of whether it should or should not. They raised the rate of bread, wheat, everything. Not the farmers didn't get paid more. The farmers got the same money. The distributors, the people who control capitalism made it all. That trillion dollars, that's who it went to. So therefore, the inflation was caused by these corporate goons. And the Fed Reserve, after having a good jobs report that says more people are working, more people are getting jobs, and the wages are increasing ever so slightly. And in order, in order to mitigate not getting these wage increases, they want the feds want to throw us into a recession to p- prevent the corporate guys from having to pass along the extra money that American, the working class deserves, the working class earned. But nobody is asking the corporate, the corporations to pay more taxes. In fact, we want to even give them more. We want to give them tax cuts. They're increasing our prices. And for increasing our prices and getting more money, we want to reward them with more tax cuts. To my brothers and sisters on the right, what part of that do you see as equitable or fair? How can you massage within your minds to defend the evil from within the corporate state? Again, That's an 89% increase in total profits compared to the average between 2017 and 2020, according to the Oxfam and and Action Aids analysis of Forbes Global 2000 ranking of the world's largest companies, a major windfall during a period in which extreme poverty and hunger surged. The two groups found that 45 Energy corporations made an average of $237 billion a year in windfall profits, meaning above and beyond what they would have profited anyway, while food and beverage corporations, banks, big pharma, and major retailers also cashed in on the cost of living crisis that has seen more than a quarter of a billion people in 58 countries hit by acute food insecurity in 2022. So these criminals, these legal criminals have decided that they will just take the money, 
they will just charge. That mother that had to drive to work, her gas bill doubled, gasoline bill doubled just because they could. They didn't have to go ahead and hold you up with a gun. They didn't have to break into your home. Our economic system gives them the right to simply steal from you. That's the design of the economic system. And for those who are there to protect it and say, oh, this is the best system. This is the way it has to be. There are better ways. There are better ways. The windfall profits of leading food and beverage companies in 2021 and 2022 would be enough to cover the $6.4 billion funding gap needed to deliver life-saving food assistance in East Africa, a more than twice over Oxfam and Action Aid noted. People are sick and tired of corporate greed. Amitath Behar, Oxfam's interim executive director, said in a statement, it's obscene that corporations have raked in billions of dollars in extra, extraordinary windfall profits while people everywhere are struggling to afford enough food or basics like medicine and heating. But he, the obscene portion is in as much as they're making all this profit. Windfall profits. They are still saying we want tax cuts. So they're hurting the people by having people spend more of their money to them, giving it to them, legal robbery. And at the same time, they're saying, and we don't want to pay taxes for this windfall that we were just lucky to to get because we created inflation. And then our Federal Reserve want we, the people, to pay higher interest rates to slow down the economy because of these thugs who decide to rip us off. And we have a bunch of folks coddling, folks who don't have a pot to do you know what in, coddling these corporatists who are ripping us off royally? Whatever happened to critical thinking? And that is why you hear DeSantis and all these guys talk about woke. They don't want you to be woke. They don't want you to be intelligent. They want you to remain dumb. They want you to be able to say things like Bidenflation is Bidenomics and and not listen. I gave a full explanation of where inflation came from. I gave a full explanation. And Eric Hayes is still saying Bidenflation is Bidenomics. What's the thought process? What's the critical thinking? The evidence is there. And that tells you a lot. It tells you a lot. Anyway, so folks, we know what we have to do. We have to de-elect all of those who are responsible for allowing corporations to do what they've done. And we need to threaten price controls yesterday if these guys don't stop. And if they decide, well, if you try price controls, we are going to reduce production, we nationalize then. We don't allow the corporate thugs to control the livelihoods, the existence of America. People would always try to come, well, if you tell the private sector what to do, they would just stop doing. And then we just, okay, if they stop doing, then we'll do. We can do it a lot more efficient because we don't have to satisfy the the, the shareholders. So if they want to penalize the American citizenry, we can penalize them. Because they need us more than we need them. Remember that. They don't exist without us. We have to start exerting our own power. 
And our power is a lot, a lot, a lot more powerful than theirs. Don't ever forget that. But in order for us to exert our power, again, in order for us to exert our power, we have to get onto, uh, <laughs> I hate to say it this way, onto Howard's soapbox. You have to vote those who are not doing what's right by the people out. You have to vote oh, them no. out. Oh, oh come on in, no. Howard. Howard, uh, you know, I was, I was about now. to throw it. I was about to throw it to you and you up, you upended my, <laughs> my entry into Howard. Talk to me, Howard. Well, you hear me. You hear that scraping across the floor. It's that soapbox of mine. Vote these people out. We don't have to put up with this, people. We don't have to put up with it. We can vote them out. And please do. It's the, it's the revolutionary way of doing things in the 21st century. Vote these people out. Get rid of them. Stop them in their tracks. Fire them. We don't have to put up with it. We absolutely do not have to put up with this. They're taking away our rights. They're jacking up our prices. We don't have to put up with it. Fire them at the ballot box today. Amen. So I'm going to let you scraping across the floor and putting the soapbox away. <laughs> well, look, let me tell you, though. I mean, uh, it is it is so important for us. And folks, before I forget, because I always tell I always forget the number 713-526-5738. I would love to hear from you. In fact, I would love to hear from folks who disagree with me because I'd like to have that conversations. America deserves that conversation. America deserves to hear these these things, because, again, when we turn on to the standard, uh, uh, when when we hear standard, even our the, the, the communication that claims to be progressive, a lot of times you're sitting down there and like, no, that's not really so. That is actually in favor of others taking a, the few taking advantage of the many. Look, I am a staunch democratic person. When I say democracy, I'm talking small democratic, not party. I'm talking. Uh, I'm talking, I believe, I truly, truly believe in democracy. I truly, truly believe in free enterprise. I truly, truly believe that we should all have equal access to success. But it doesn't, but there are those, there are the few that are psychopaths. And let me tell you, you can have a, a, a there are a lot of, uh, look, after, I, I sit down and think about my, uh, when I'm thinking and saying, what would I do if I had a billion dollars, Right. And I would start thinking how I would give this away. All I'm like, but you know what? I would never have a billion dollars because anytime I started, I'm accumulating more than what makes me uh, a comfortable existence. It would be gone. I would be throwing it out the door. I would be giving it away. Why? What is you know? I, 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 it, it to me, it takes a certain level of psychopathy, if that's a word being a psychopath, so I, I don't know if psychopath is a word, but it takes a certain level of being a psychopath to have $100 billion, to have $75 billion, and not say, I couldn't, you can't possibly earn it. I saw a TikTok over the weekend, and I, I should have queued it up to, to play it for you guys, and I didn't. Um, but this guy said, you know, uh, you know, people want to say, oh, they're good billionaires. And he said, he said, let me tell you why you cannot have a good billionaire that 
A billionaire, remember, is nothing more than an enslaver. In other words, they are making their monies. They are taking their actions all from you. They are simply, that monies that they have is the total amount of monies not given to you, what you have earned. Anyway, come on in, Tag. And before Tag comes in, 713-526-5738, please give us a call. Extension number 2, 713-526-5738. Please don't wait till the end of the show. Please call now if you have a comment to make. And don't be fearful. I love everybody. I treat everybody with respect. Come on in, Tag. Morning, Alberto. How are you? I am doing fine, my brother. Talk to me. Well, I was just listening to your rant about these corporations and the trillions that they're making <laughs> and not paying tax. And I agree 100% with you. But here's, here's the thing that I didn't hear from you, and I think it's very important, is that these corporations making all this money, they are making it by manufacturing. They are making it by providing jobs to Americans and paying taxes for on those people. They're making it by buying these corporations and consolidating and closing them and then sending the production overseas. And they're still doing it today. You know, the old uh, vulture or vampire capitalists, as we call them. And, and that's, you know, like the heart of the matter for me is like, let's, Stop these people from closing our factories and closing our businesses. That's that's what's where it's at for me. Um, tag, tag. First of all, thank you. Um, I, what you're saying, I should have implied, and let me go ahead and say it a bit clearer. You just believe it or not, defined the difference between capitalism and free enterprise within the threads of what you just said. Is where uh, is what I try to get across to people. You've said that these companies. The, the funny thing about these companies is that they're not even making these humongous extra profits from manufacturing. You hear me talk about these are people who make money off of money. There was a time when pro- profit meant you you made a profit to give somebody an incentive to create something new, to create a better process, to, to survive. You know, even, even bankers were very important, right? A banker, there's no problem in a banker making a profit. There's no problem in having interest rates. A banker did a service. That was an important service. I need to buy a tractor. I don't have the money right away, but over time I can form to pay that banker and he gets paid for giving me a service that allowed me to attain my flow. All of that is great. I believe in that free enterprise system. I believe that a company should be able to hire people who don't want to have the company themselves and make a product, etc. And that most of the value of production, most of the money created from that enterprise brother tag goes right back to the people building the stuff etc of course the executives and so forth that run the company they need to be sustained to be to be doing the different parts but a a, a, the person the executive can't cure a, a cancer the executive can't build a motor the executive so there is a functional relationship among executives, managers, creators, inventors, etc. And each one of them deserve pay. But that we have a system, capitalism, that says the person who gets all the pay, most of the pay, I should say, 
is the one who controls the money, the ones who controls the capital, and all they see is, in fact, capital. That's why a company can be 100% profitable, making parts for, let's say, a company that makes pistons for, for General Motors. Very profitable company making pistons for General Motors. And, and because we have this within the capitalist system of saying, we, we split companies into these things called stocks. And these things called stocks have their own value that they live on the market. And when you trade a stock, uh, it can go up in value or go down in value. And it has nothing, many times it has nothing to do with the valuation of that particular company, the asset value and future goodwill of that company. It just floats on the market for several reasons. And if that person who is controlling that stock says, I want that stock to go up. So let's make something happen with that company to make that stock go up. Wait a minute. We can make that company more efficient so that it generates more profit. So we'll lay off workers. Oh, wait a minute. We could build those same products overseas and the shipping rate to bring it back to the United States is going to be less. Let's do that. It has nothing to do with that company having been profitable. It has everything to do with those people who only make money off of money and decide, wait a minute, I can do this to the company to get those stock prices to go up. They don't do anything about how that company works on the internals. That, if that is not the definition of antiseptic slavery, I don't know what is, Tag. I don't know what is. Go ahead, Tag. You know, when these people are talking about uh, socialism and communism and how the government's going to control manufacturing and, and the means of production, is like, you know, the government hasn't had anything to do with that in our country. It's all about these businesses who find it uh, more profitable, quote-unquote, to, to uh, close companies here and send the jobs overseas. Those are the ones who are controlling production. And, and uh, like you were saying a minute ago, it'd be better if our government was doing that and bringing these jobs back and setting up like the chip manufacturers like they have been. And this is, this is where we truly need help. We don't need these big companies, big businesses, getting money from the government at 0% and then loaning it back to the government for a percent and a half. We don't need that kind of businesses in our country. We need people who are going to be manufacturing things here and providing jobs for Americans. And wow. we need to build our own economy, not the Chinese economies. You just said a whole lot that, that needs to be unpacked. Number one, when you talk about it's not the government doing X, Y, Z, even when the government is spending these trillions of dollars, you know where that money is going? Into inefficient corporations to buy cluster bombs, to buy $1,000 I mean, toilet seats. I mean, you know, I, I love when I love when the private sector talks about wasteful government when the waste comes from what they charge the government to do things. It's amazing, right? I mean, if you take a look That's at right. what the government pays for military equipment, if you take a look at what the government pays to build a building, if you look, let me give you the, the classic example, right? Even though the post office officially is not a government, uh, a part, of the, it's supposed to be a independent government corporations. It's, I don't remember legally how it is set up, but it is it is still solely it's sort of a government-run kind of a, of a thing, right? 
the, a, a lot of people, they, they put out a narrative there to try to demean the post office because a lot of times you go into a post office and uh, you, the people are stressed out on, you know, and sometimes, a lot of times because of how we, the people, treat the persons, uh, the people at these uh, post offices, right? Now, interestingly, interestingly, uh, a, a, a lot of this is because, oh, the, uh, a lot of this is put out by these private shipping companies, right? Because they would love that post office business. The post office, I, and before anybody downs the post office, I want you to notice this. The post office can get a letter to just about any corner of the continental United States in a day. This new guy came in and he claimed that he wanted to reduce costs. He changed it to, uh, in certain places, it takes more than a day to get a first-class mail. He only did that because he wanted to increase the businesses for the private sector uh, and, and let them be able to use their one-day service. The cheapest way to send it by you, uh, FedEx the last time I researched, a letter, just a letter, ounces, was over $5. We do it for $0.53 cents or 50 something cents at our post office. Any part of the country, and a little bit longer for Alaska and, uh, for Alaska and uh, Hawaii and Guam because those are far away. Now, these companies are trying to malign the post office because they want to take that business and charge Americans more to make a big profit on all the first class mail. So now instead, if, if first class mail cannot be delivered at 57 cents and you have to pay now 5 or $6 to deliver a first class piece of mail, you see the profit margin there, guys? When the government could do it, kind of a government, the post office can do it for 57 cents or so. They then efficiently, with a, without, without having to lose money, they couldn't have that. So what did Congress do? Congress said, wait a minute, post office, you're too efficient. How are we going to tell Americans that uh, the post office is inefficient and they need to go to the private sector? Private sector can never be more efficient than government because it has other bills to pay that the government won't have to pay. But that's another story. So what happens? They go ahead and tell the post office, given that you pay your people's good salaries and you have to uh, and, and, and great retirements, you are going to have to fund that retirement on the order of seven, I think it was $75 billion in X amount of years, which made it seem like the post office was losing money. And they did that so that people would start saying, oh, if this entity is losing money, maybe, just maybe, we need to go ahead and privatize Social, uh, and privatize um, the, the, the post office. The crookery that goes on in the government-private relationship with the oligarchs, it's amazing. But anyway, Tag, I got another call that I need to run to. Thank you so kindly for giving me the opportunity to expand on much of that very important stuff that you mentioned here, my friend. Have a great day, Egberto. We'll see you soon. You too. Rafael, come on in. Rafael, come on in. Oh, we lost Rafael. Rafael, we accidentally lost you. Call back real quick. Call back real quick, Rafael, and we'll get you on. Uh, sorry about that, but we'll get you on. Anyhow, folks, I am glad that Tag called in 
and gave us the opportunity to expand. Rafael, please give us a call back. We accidentally dropped you. Um, let me tell you, it is one of the things that, that's most important to our society is information, is education. And one of the things that happen too often is the fourth estate, the media, they hadn't been doing the education. You can't ask an overworked American citizen to just go out there and know all these things. Because, again, people are tired. People are having to work harder because of, again, the corporation trying to extract as much as they can out of them. After all, productivity has increased since 1971 by, I don't remember how many percent, quite a bit. Let's say 90, 100 percent or whatever productivity has increased over that time since 1980, I believe. But American wages, a fraction of that. That is you working much more efficiently, much harder for much less. 713-526-5738. We can still take a couple calls. 713-526-5738. Hit extension number two. We just accidentally dropped a call. Please call us back. It's, you know, again, these things happen, folks. 713-526-5738. Hit extension number two. As I was saying before, we can't expect Americans to, or any, 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 any human being, to understand all the complexities of what's going on. First of all, because we've lost a lot. We've lost what used to be taught in schools. Once upon a time, every student received a class called civics. Civics. They learned how to use their government. They learned how their government worked. They learned the freedoms that they had. They learned the opportunities that they had and the ability to change government to fulfill its, its, the requirement to us all. We learned that. No more. And that isn't by choice. That is by design. The reason why we have po polarization in this country is not you know, people are going to say, oh, racism, they can use all the ism, the sexism, the misogyny, the, they can use all of those are the factors that are creating polarization in this country. But the real thing that's creating polarization in this country is our inherent ignorance. That is what's creating polarization. And I'm talking about it on all sides. I, I always like to bring up the, the thing when, uh, when a very a right-wing person or a woman who thought she was right-wing had a great conversation with me at Starbucks. And by the end of the conversation, she, uh, when I finally said, you know, I'm not like you really, I'm really a like ultra progressive left-wing kind of a guy, because I think those are the policies that we most of us want. And based on the conversation we had, that right-wing woman wanted those policies as well. And she turned red-faced and she looked at me straight in the eyes and said, but you are so nice. And that is the issue, folks. That, that, I repeat that story over and over and over again because that is where we are in this country right now. We are all nice, but we've allowed these guys to polarize us. We have allowed false narratives to polarize us. We have allowed all these lies to polarize us. We have allowed, the, uh, we have allowed you to look at others and say they are the cause of your problem when the real cause of your problem is right there at the top. And I wish more of us would open our minds 
to listen to others who are trying to say, we have very little to do with the polarization in this country. The polarization is caused elsewhere. Got two minutes left to go. So therefore, it's time for me to say, give me a little uh, 15 second closer, Brother Jack and Brother Howard. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yeah. that that probably woke everybody up yeah uh Jack, you, know, you covered you covered a lot you know and you know we're talking about taxes and the corporation not paying taxes well maybe the people could uh kind of slow up on their tax paying you know i have an idea that we should stop paying the people that are enslaving us the insurance companies the taxes you know that the people are going to have to have to take this this mantle up because this this fascism we're trying to beat back is going to be a hard one and it's going to take some sacrifice. Amen. Both those, both those devils out. Both them yeah. out. I almost said the B word. I like I like that, but let me tell you, I I agree with both of you, and I I think we we start though with the people who are holding the debt. I think if we really want to make a change, a, a revolution, in simply saying we're not going to pay the debt to the private sector for a while until you drop these interest rates, etc. I actually saw a credit card with an interest rate of thirty one percent, thirty one percent interest on a oh, credit yeah. card. I couldn't believe when I saw this guy telling me my credit rate is good and I still pay 31%. Anyway, my name is Egberto Willis. I want to thank Jack Van Beber and Howard Reynolds for always being there. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.